a voice, but uh, it's all right. Hallelujah. God will give me a voice, and if not, I'll call on one of y'all to help me out. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you have your Bibles, turn, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. We're going to read that in just a moment, and I want to minister for just a few minutes, if I may, entitle the message, Go Back to Your Family and Rejoice. Thank you, brother. So go back to your family and rejoice. How many know that we need to go back to our families and rejoice? Amen? Glory to God. So we got family members. How many here you got family members that are lost? Amen? Somebody you know that's in trouble right now. Amen? I got family members that are waiting for a sentence to go to prison. I got family members that are waiting for a report from the doctor. I got family members that, I mean, a lot of different needs that are going on in our lives. Amen? Including you. Amen? I'm not alone today. Is that right? Praise God. So I want to minister for just a few minutes to go back to your family and rejoice. Hallelujah. Let's read in the Bible what it says in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. It says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into, Abraham, into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham after off, afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they, they, can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into the place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear that Moses and the prophets, not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now, there's so much truth to the Scripture, amen? Um, as we read it, as we understand what it's saying, uh, it, it, this is a very honest statement, and it's a sad statement that, uh, you know, we can't just bring someone that's already been in hell out to tell us the truth. And many Christians in their life today, they have a doubt, and, and I'm not one of these Christians, but there's many Christians in this world today that have a doubt whether there is a heaven or hell. 
And as Pastor Blake said a week or two ago, he says, I don't want to take that chance. Amen? Do you want to take the chance and, and tread waters? Uh, no, I want to know for sure that I'm right with God. Amen? It's important today that we realize that God wants our families to be born again. And I'm not just talking about a religious experience, uh, but I'm talking about how important it is for God to know that we are born again, that we are saved. It is His plan for us to know that. Amen? You see, we cannot take these chances. Some people, they just live in their life uh, playing with fire, and, and, and we should not be taking these chances. We cannot play with the eternal destiny of our families or what God has for our families. Amen? It's a very important thing to God. So number one, I want to take a look. Uh, I want to notice the priority of the family. What is the priority of the family? Amen? We all have a responsibility. Men, you are the head of your home. Wives, you are equal partner to your husband. Amen? Give me another amen. amen. Hallelujah. Not one. One doesn't demand the other, and, and it doesn't work that way. With God, we are equal, but God has put the man as the head of the home to be the leader, to be the example, to lead the way, to express the love, even when he doesn't feel like it. Let's say that together. Even when I don't feel like it. Amen. And women say this. I'm going to cook dinner for my husband. Wow, I wish my wife was in here. Because she would be saying it. Let's say that again, women. I will cook dinner for my husband. Praise God. Even when I don't want to. Hallelujah. So we all have a responsibility, amen? And I know we can have fun with this, amen? We can be encouraging and just laugh and have a good time in church. But the truth of the matter is, it's not about what you have to do, but it's what you get to do. We have a family, and God's plan for our family is that we all uh, obey him and live for him, and we will see the, the best that he has for us in our lives, amen? You see, in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 40... In our scripture, it says, one of the two which heard John speak and follow him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. You see, Andrew, he heard about Jesus. In this place today, I believe that every one of us have heard about Jesus. We know who Jesus is, we know what Jesus is, and we know what power he has. Amen? If, if you doubt who Jesus is, then you are in the right place today because you're going to know and you're going to feel and you're going to understand that he is the, the almighty God. Hallelujah. Amen. He's all powerful. Glory to God. No matter what situation you're going through, no matter what trial you're in, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the only hope that we have today. Amen. Glory to God. So the very first thing he did is he thought, this is real. He's thinking, this is real, too wonderful to keep it to myself. All the things that he saw Jesus do, all the things that he heard of Jesus, he, he began to think, uh, how can all this stuff happen and people don't even see it? And he's like, this is too good to be true. I have to help people understand. I have to show people the way. I've got to help them to know that Jesus is who he says he is. And the first, first thing he, that came to his mind, he thought about, his good old cousin, rebellious, hard-hearted, mean brother called Simon. He's thinking, my goodness, what is God? What is Jesus going to do with that man? Amen. Anybody ever feel like, can God really use me? 
I mean, I know I've felt this way before. I mean, be honest with yourself. You ever felt like, Lord, I've messed up so much that is there any hope for me at all? But, you know, here he is. He's thinking of his brother, and he says, well, what's God going to do? He, he brought him to Jesus, uh, not to some denomination or to some religious organization, but he brought him to Jesus, to the actual person. Hallelujah. You say, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is here in this place today. He's with us in this place. Amen. So one of the things I want you to understand is uh, somebody said, no, not Peter. He's the worst. Not Peter. Peter, it can't be possible that, that Peter's the one. No, you know that uh, um, how mean this guy is. Like some of you kids, you think, well, how can God use my dad? He's meaner than a striped snake. How can God use my mother in the church when, when she yells at me all day long? Well, guess what? God can get a hold of that tongue, hallelujah. God can get a hold of that mind. God can get a hold of that rotten sinner and turn your life and change you to what he wants you to be. I, got, I mean, I'm just telling you because I know that that's what he's done in me. Hallelujah, amen. I'm firsthand experience right here. I'm the example. And Jesus can take you when you call upon him. He can take you and change your life. He can change anybody. I don't care who it is, amen? Even your brother-in-law, even your mother-in-law, even your father-in-law. Notice I had a lot of in-laws there, amen? And I'll tell you, like I said in the first service, I have the best brother-in-laws, father-in-law, and mother-in-law. I mean, I have the best family in the world. Praise God, amen? So... Jesus came and he said to Peter, he says, you are Simon, you shall be called Cephas, a, a stone. And when Jesus comes to somebody, he may look at you and he may say, you are, but that's not what counts. You are this now, but that doesn't mean that's who you're always going to be. You see, when Jesus sees us, he sees us on the outward appearance uh, when we come to him, but then he sees the hope that he has in us. Amen? And so what happens is he looks at this harlot and he says, you are a harlot, but you shall come clean. Glory to God. Remember when Jesus was standing there with the woman at the well? And oh, everybody wanted to just cut her down and beat her up. And he says, he who cast the first stone, amen? The bottom line is when she called upon the name of the Lord, she was forgiven. She was set free. You and I today, we are delivered. And so what he does is he'll look at you as you are, and then all of a sudden he says, you are a gambler, but you shall be free. Well, I don't have any control over myself. You are exactly right. You cannot stop it on your own. You need Jesus. He might say to you, you are a drug addict. You shall be set free is what he says. Amen. His final word is always hope, glory to God. His final word is always positive for us to be set free. Might even say, well, you're a blasphemer. We know in our Bible it says blasphemers will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But guess what? You may be a blasphemer today, but I'll make you a new creation, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says. He says, I will deliver you. I'll take you from who you are. Uh, you, you may be a drunk today, but I will set you free. Glory to God. You may be a drug addict, uh, but listen, he says, I will set you free and make you whole. Amen. Don't look at me like that. Drug addicts, it's in the Bible. Just kidding. My pastor told me, he said, his kids were raised on drugs. They drug him to church every service. Amen. 
So we've been drugged to church all our lives. And so the bottom line is this. If we're, if we're trying, we're making it. We're winning the battle, amen? If you're fighting, you're winning. Glory to God. Number two, think about eternity. Now, when we think about eternity, we have no choice but to think about heaven or hell. And I know nobody wants to talk about hell in the church, but I got news for you. Hell is real. Heaven, heaven is real. Of course, we know what heaven is. It's beautiful. It's streets of gold. Pastor Blake just preached on it just, just, just recently. He talked about how God loved us and cared so much about it. His roads, the lowest of the lowest, is paved with gold. So that you and I can walk on that gold. Hallelujah, amen. So that we can be in a heavenly place. So it can be powerful for us. So we have to look at heaven. But then again, we cannot be afraid to talk about hell. You say, well, we're in church. That's scary. Well, then hell needs to be scared out of us. Amen? Because I don't want to go there. Are you with me this morning? We need to know that that's a place where we don't want nothing to do with it. Or, or how we need to go out and bring our immediate families to Jesus because they are dying by the handfuls and going straight to hell without Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be honest with you, we need to carry the burden and understand that the responsibility is in our own hands to go out and win them for Jesus Christ. You say, well, they might get mad at me. Well, boo-hoo, let them get mad. You say, they might be upset with me. Well, who cares if they get upset with you? I got news for you. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, they stopped inviting us over for Thanksgiving dinner. They stopped inviting us over for Christmas dinner. You want to know why? Because all we could do was talk about Jesus. Oh, Jesus is so good. You know, we didn't walk in the house. All, you know, my cousin's walking like they're, they're carrying something in their back pockets. These little gangsters, man, they walk. They got chains hanging all over, and they're walking like they're cool cats. But guess what? We changed our lifestyle, and we were someone new. Hallelujah. Because we understood our destiny with God. Amen? So one of the things we need to know with bringing our families to Jesus is that children need to know who God is. Children need to know that. Our grandparents, our, our grandmothers, our, our grandfathers, our cousins, our uncles, everyone needs to know. Now, there's two things that I want to Well, let me just tell you this. David said something. He said, he said, he cried out, and he did this in Psalms. You can look it up in Psalms 142.4. I don't have the scripture this morning. But he said, no man cared for my soul. That's what he said. And here David is, is, is crying out. No one cared for my soul. He saw the outer. He saw what I was doing, all the things about me, but no one cared about my soul. He said, there are those who care for my body. Yes, there are those who care for my mind, but no, no man cares. And that phrase, no man cares, let me tell you what it means. The Hebrew word means sought after. It means no one sought after my soul. In other words, when I started to fall, when I made a mistake in my life, when I didn't do something that I knew was right, to, somebody was there to tell me, hey, brother, listen, what I saw you doing the other day, it wasn't right. A sister to walk up to another sister and say, you know what, man, uh, uh, listen to me, but I, I don't want to listen and hear the gossip. I really don't. It's poison to my ears. You say, well, there's none of that in the church. I got news for you. There's more in the church than there is in the real world. Hallelujah, amen. And I got news for you, when I see somebody that's not doing what God has called them to do, I believe that God's called us to populate heaven and plunder hell, amen? And so one of the things, I remember a time my wife and I were walking, we were on a date. 
we were walking down the street in Colorado Springs. We were going to the home church there. We were involved in ministry. I don't know, doing whatever it was. I mean, whatever we're doing in church, it's ministry, amen, because we love people. And I remember a time where we were walking down. We were walking down this main street downtown, and, and we looked over into this place because, you know, all the restaurants downtown got bars in them, and they're dancing, having a good old time. And we, we were standing there watching these people. They're just dancing, making fools of themselves. You ever seen people try to dance when they're drunk? I mean, they, they call this a dance. And we're just looking, we're just watching these people, and we're just, we're just kind of laughing, we're giggling, we're just having a good old time with it. And all of a sudden, we see a guy from our church. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. Most of y'all will be like, oh, I'm leaving, I'm out of here. And some of you would just go, I'm going to tell somebody. And some of you, before you could even take a step, you're already on the phone calling somebody. You get my drift? Well, you want to know what my wife did? My wife, if you don't know my wife, you got to get to meet her. You would love her to pieces. Let me tell you what she did. She jumped up on the windowsill of this big restaurant bar, and, and the, the window was, I mean, I'm telling you, it was as big as this whole wall right here. And, and she jumped up on that windowsill, and she started beating the glass like this. Bam, bam, bam. And the guy looks up at her like this, and he saw her standing in the window, and he took off like a mouse through the crowd. That's called confronting sin. I guarantee you, he's never either, he, he might not ever show up in church again because he's too embarrassed or he's going to get his life right with God. And the motive of the whole thing was to get your life right with God. If I see you out of line, I believe it's my responsibility to say something. If you see me out of line, guess what? I believe that it's your responsibility to get me back in track where I need to be because we need to be making heaven our home. And I need you to help me, and you need me to help you. Honestly, we need to be grateful for our pastors. Too many times in here I hear, and I'm just going to say this from my heart, this has nothing to do with me, but to Pastor Blake. I hear too many people call him Blake. And I got news for you. He's not Blake. He's Pastor Blake. Your pastors need to be your pastors. They're not, they're not just a, God has called them, God has appointed them, God has brought them into your life to be your leader, to, to be your pastor. And too many times in this church, and I'll be honest with you, I bit my tongue and I have not said a word, but too many times there are people that just that call their pastor, hey, yo. <laughs> it just don't, it, it just don't, it ain't right. I have a respect for my pastor. I would never call Pastor Jones his name. I don't even know his name. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's been my pastor for 40 years. Amen. He has been my pastor for 41 years, going on 42. And I'm telling you what, he is my pastor. If he calls me up and says, hey, I need you to do this, there's none of this. Well, I can't do it. Now, obviously, he respects the fact if I'm working or I'm doing something that I can't make it at that particular time. But, you know, there's people that will say no because they just want to say no. You can do it yourself. You're a full-time pastor. You go do it. No, let me tell you something. When you are in the Word of God, when you are preparing yourself to minister God's Word, there is something that has to come over you that's beyond who you are. It's called the Spirit of God. And when you are in that presence where God is using you, let me tell you something. It is a, it is a very important piece in, in God's puzzle. God has a very special thing for pastors in heaven. I'm telling you what, it is a tough, tough business to be a pastor. And that's the honest truth. 
And so we need to respect our pastor. We need to respect, and I didn't say our pastor is Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Because there's no one like Jesus, amen? But he is our pastor, glory to God. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise on that one? That one was free, amen? Hallelujah. So we have the inner man and we have the spirit man. We all know that the body, the mind, everything else, the brain, it will crumble. It's going to crumble. And there's a part of us uh, that will live on after the stars uh, fall like autumn leaves. Amen? How many know that? I was telling the story this morning how uh, Pastor had mentioned, uh, Pastor Jones had mentioned to, to Deonza uh, about the stars. As you go through trials in your life, you're always talking about things that are going on in your life because you want a breakthrough. You want God's answer in your life. And her dad told her, and I'm probably messing the story all up, but I like the way I say it better because it pertains to how I'm using it, amen, because I don't really know all of it. But he said to her, he says, you go outside at night and you look up and see the stars. They're beautiful. They're up there. That's God's creation. That is God working what God does. He's, he's at work right now. But tomorrow morning when the sun comes up, uh, you look up in the sky, you're not going to see those clouds. I mean, those, those stars. And you might think, well, those stars aren't there. But no, up in that sky that you cannot see because it's light out now, God is still at work on your situation. God is still doing what he promised that he would do. God is bringing that child back. God is restoring that family. God is healing that person. God is uh, taking someone out from the drugs and alcohol. Amen? So God is doing that work. You and I were made in the image of God. The spirit that's inside of us will live on and on and on and on. It will continue to live on. David said, yes, there are those who care for my body. Yes, there are those who care for my mind. No man cares. And, and, you know, we know what that means. But here's the bottom line is do we care about that person that is lost? Oh, we see what's going on on the outside. We see what kind of car they drive. We know exactly what's happening in their life. But do we see their eternal future. And I'm not just talking about uh, being a complainer and asking somebody, where are you at? Uh, what are you doing? I'm talking about being interested in what is going on in that person's life. So we spend thousands and thousands of dollars uh, on our bodies and our minds uh, going to doctors trying to get better. And I'm all for doctors, don't get me wrong. I love, uh, you know, I've, I spent quite a bit of time at the uh, Cancer Treatment Center of America with some people down in Phoenix, Arizona, and I, I'm, I'm all for doctors. And I believe that God will use the doctor's hands to bring healing to our bodies. I do believe that. But at the same time, I also know that if we're looking to the doctors to heal our wounds or our sicknesses, then we are looking to the wrong person. Because Jesus is our only hope, Amen. Praise God. So what about the soul? What about that person that died? Where did they go? What about that person that we read or in the newspaper or we hear on the news that has died in an accident? What about their future? Where did they go? Heaven or hell? I think that's a very serious question that we need to ask ourselves today. You know, David said, oh, yes, they care for my mind, they care for my body, but is there anybody in the world who is seeking after my eternal welfare? Is anybody, uh, besides calling out all my faults and all my problems uh, and all my mistakes I've ever made in my life, is there anybody that knows where I'm headed? I told the story this morning how 
I had a good friend uh, when I had went into the world for just a couple of years. and It was a, uh, my roommate. He was a good guy. I loved this guy. Him and I, we were buddies. We hung out everywhere we went. And uh, in 1992-ish, right in there, maybe 91, I, I, I got into some troubles and I, and I bailed out. And I was gone. And I found out many years later that this guy, uh, my brother, contacted me and he says, hey, did you know that Chuck lives in Arizona? And I said, no. I says, can you contact him on, I guess it was Facebook he used, and he reached out to him, and, and, and he got a hold of Chuck. He says, oh, man, I would love to see Mario. He says, where is he? He says, well, he lives right there in Phoenix. He says, give him my number. He called me up, called me on the phone. The guy literally lived maybe five minutes from our church that we had in Phoenix. I called this guy up on the phone, and I'm talking to him. I said, hey, Chuckles, it's me. Remember me? He's like, oh, my goodness. And we just, I mean, just started talking. And then all of a sudden came the big, the big statement. I said, yeah, Chuck, you wouldn't even recognize me now. I said, I'm a pastor. I pastor a church. God has saved me. He set me free. I've got a wife and four kids. And, man, I'll tell you what, there was 20 hours of silence on the phone. But I was so, I was so, I, I wanted that friendship again. I wanted Chuck to say, wow, if God can save this dude, like I was saying in the beginning, if God can save this dude, God can save anybody. And I was hoping for Chuck to get back on that phone and say, you know what, man, I'm telling you what, I am so impressed. I want to see you. I wanna, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting with you. I want to come check out your church because whatever happened to you, man, you're different. I want it. I got the complete opposite answer. Dude hung up. I mean, I never spoke to him again. I told my wife, man, what did I do to this guy? Have I done something evil to him? Did I hurt him? Did I leave him in a financial rut? What did I do? I don't understand it because I was expecting him to say, man, this was such a great friend of mine that, man, I'd like to see him again. And I really want to see what God's done in his life. But how many know that the gospel is confrontational? How many know that when you talk about Jesus, oh, my Jesus is good, hallelujah. When you talk about the wonders, uh, the miracles, when you talk about all that he has done in your life, uh, how he sets you free from drugs and alcohol uh, and beating people up, glory to God, uh, people just all of a sudden turn away from you. They don't invite you anymore for Christmas dinner. They don't invite you over anymore for Thanksgiving dinner. Hallelujah. And that's okay with me because I don't want to be around the booze. It's amazing to me. I do weddings, and when I do a wedding, and, and, you know, they're trying to be Christians and trying to be goody-goodies, all of a sudden, you start to see the coolers come in about three hours later. And you say, well, it's about time for us to go. We're going to let these good folk get their party on, because I'm leaving. I ain't have no part of it. You ever invite me to a wedding, you start drinking, guess what? Hasta luego, baby. I'm gone. I, ain't, I don't want no part of that. Why? Because I don't want that affecting my life. And I don't want to participate in how it's going to affect yours. Can I get a bigger amen? So we need to understand what God has for our futures is so important, and we need to understand that today, amen? Number three, the Lord must see that family is very important to you. Amen? The Bible's full. He first found his brother Simon here. And then it was the, the power of the example, Psalms chapter 112. You can read that. The Bible says we ought to have household salvation. Do you remember in the book of Mark chapter 5, and I want you to read this, Mark chapter 5, and I want you to study this particular scripture. But this demoniac was over in the graveyard. 
And this man is there, and you, uh, how many know that you can curse your seed? You understand what I'm talking about? You can bless or you can curse with your words, uh, with your action, the way you live your life, the example that you set. And here this man, uh, he's sitting there, and, 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 and he had, the, the Bible says, you can read the scripture later, he had one strong demon that controlled his life. And I've seen a strong demon control someone's life. When my wife and I were in Costa Rica, we went to a, uh, an outreach way down in these, these dark alley roads where it was dangerous. They told us, don't go. And we had to go because the Lord sent us in there, and we said, take us to that demon-possessed boy. Someone had told us it was talk of the town. We said, take us to that demon-possessed boy. And when we got there, this young man was demon-possessed. You want to talk about legion? This man, this young boy, he was full of the devil. He was chained outside. Well, actually, he was chained inside on a bed, to a bed, wasn't he? I mean, he was completely almost naked laying on that bed. They had this boy tied to a bed, and he was jerking, and, 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 and I mean, it was, it was bad. It was screaming, just like you read this story in the Bible. And we took our kids there. Our kids saw this. This kid's bleeding all over the place. He's screaming. He's yelling. He's yelling out demonic names and, and screaming out devil's names. And, and, and these parents were scared to death. I said, bring that young boy out here and sit him on this bench. They said, no, we cannot do that. And all of a sudden, they brought him out. I said, bring him out. And they brought that young man out, and they sat him down in a bench on the front porch. And when they sat this young man down, I started to walk towards him, and they said, you cannot get close to him. He'll cut you up. And I basically just said, I come in the name of Jesus. And I went over there, and I sat down next to that little boy, and I wrapped my arms around that boy. And he went from shaking profusely, just shaking, just screaming, hollering, to literally as calm as you can imagine. You remember that day, don't you? And that boy just, just stared at me and looked at me. It was because the Spirit of God that was in me began to touch that boy. We began to pray. But I want you to know something. That boy could not be delivered that day because those parents and people all around him would not allow him to be set free. Now you understand it a little, bit, a little better, don't you? They, it would not allow him to be set free. They had their little monster tied to the bed. And Jesus walks on the scene. He wants to deliver. He wants to set him free. Here Jesus is coming into this place. He sends a man in and a man and a woman and a family in to pray and to be there. In the scriptures in Mark 5, this boy, he's cutting himself up said that no man would tame him. We've lived this story. We understand how the power of God works. As this young boy, boy as, as the doctors say, as the family says, no one will ever tame this boy. We saw God, the power of God touch him. And as we begin to minister to him, let me tell you something, God began to do a work. God began to deliver him. The family members were touched. People were changed. And this is exactly what this story is all about. You see, what happens here is Jesus will manifest his power. He'll manifest his power so that you and I can be strengthened to go out and do his work. So we can reach that person that no one can reach. You say, well, who am I? I can't reach anyone. You'd be surprised if you tried. You'd be surprised if you just stood in the gap and made up the difference. You'd be surprised if you just put your pride behind you just a little bit. 
And I know I'm going just a little long. I'm sorry, I'm not going to make you tired, Desi, I promise. I'm more tired than you are. There's a man in our church in Costa Rica. His name was Marcos. Very first time I met this guy, he walks up to me in the church. Comes down the dark, dark, uh, one of the dark uh, hallways of the church. And he walks up to me with this demonic look on his face. He was a demon. And the demon came out of his mouth. And he looked at me and he began to, he began to curse me. He began to uh, just threaten to kill me. And I'm walking up this aisle. And the, the, here comes the demon yelling at me. And I said, in the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. I just kept walking. And the guy, as I walked by him, he turns around and looks at me. He says, whew. He said, how you doing this morning, Pastor? The demon, boom, gone. Power, the power. The power that God will put inside of you. Even when you're not qualified. Even when you don't have the ability. But because of the boldness in who Jesus Christ is. Let me tell you something. This man... Pastor Blake will tell you, he knows him very personal. One of the scariest men in that whole city. People know who he is. People know what he is. Because he's destroyed lives with drugs and alcohol and murder and everything else you can even imagine. We took a group to Costa, from, from Phoenix to Costa Rica. One of my main disciples in the church there. A well-off man, never been around overseas stuff. In Costa Rica, some of the people are dirty. They're street people. And that man, when he saw me hug this guy, Marcos, he said, he looked at me and he says, Pastor, God will have to really do something in me because I can't do what you just did. And it hurt him to say. It was, it was God working in this man's life. He says, I can't do what you just did. I'm sorry. He says, I need God to help me. I said, don't you worry, brother. God will help you. Paul and Brenda know what I'm talking about. They've been there. I says, don't you worry about it. God's going to change your life. He said, oh, I hope so. I don't want it, but I want it. I mean, these people, they got blood coming out of sores and just stink on top of, on top of stink. One day after he told me that, the next day we went downtown. I'm talking a million people walking on the streets in the center of downtown. Cars and ambulance and fire trucks and taxi cabs and people all over. Not even an inch in the road to walk on. We're coming out of this vegetable market. Thousands of people. Hundreds of thousands of people all over the place. And before we could even step out of this building to get onto the sidewalk to cross the road, I hear somebody yelling my name. Pastor. Pastor Mario, Pastor Mario. And I look up and I see Marcos. He's across the street, across all the cars and people in the other store coming out. And it's that guy Marcos. Comes running across the street towards me and, and my friend, my disciple Jose, who was with me. Comes running across the street. And Jose, you know, he's into martial arts and he's ready to defend me. He, he's like, he's ready to help me out. And I said, no, 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 it's okay. He's, he's, he's a good guy. That's the same guy. He said, that's the same guy that hugged me the other day that you said you could never hug. <laughs> Powerful story. It just makes me cry every time I hear it or even say it. 
That man runs across the street. He says, Pastor, he says, I'm selling these books. I'm trying to raise some money. I got I to eat. I says, man, I'll buy you some money. I'll buy you some food, but I'm not going to give you money. And he's talking to me, and he's like, well, I'm, I'm honest. I'm, I promise I'm going to do right. And I said, no, I'll get you some food, but I'm not going to give you money. And in that very moment, he says, you. He turns to my disciple, and he, he says, you. You know what I need from you? He said, I need a hug. And he be, this, this man, Marcos, began to weep. He said, I need a hug from you. That's all I need is a hug from you. And he began to weep. And Jose, my disciple, put his arms out and ran towards this man. And they began to hug him. And they both held each other for five minutes and just wept. I got news for you. It didn't just touch Marcos' life. But this touched Jose's life forever. Forever. He said, I'll never do it. Because it's not in me. But because God changed him, and because God spoke through even a man who was demon-possessed, spoke the words to him, all I need from you is what you don't want to give me? Don't tell me there's not a God. That man, let me, let me just tell you, he's in and out of church. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just tell you the truth. But that man came in, helped Pastor Carlos. He was an usher in the church, which would blow destiny that blow your mind because she knows who Marcos is. How could we trust this man to carry an offering plate? He comes to church with a tie on. He wants to serve. He doesn't know how to live right. He needs the church. And sometimes we walk in here, we take for granted what we have. Oh, everything's good. Woo, hallelujah, glory to God. Good to see you this morning. We got the Jesse Duplantis smash cat face on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm not beating Jesse Duplantis up. I'm just saying he got a smile all the time. Amen? But really down inside, there's some pain. There's some hurt. Amen? I want to do something just a little different this morning. Stand up to your feet if you would, please. And I'm just going to be real bold and real direct because I feel the Holy Spirit leading us. And I know God is working at your heart. I can, I can point three, four people right now that I know need to be down at this altar because God has already showed me who you are. And I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want you to be the one to make this decision. If every head bowed, every eye could be closed, please. You're here tomorrow, this morning. You're here right now. And you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to surrender right now. That's me. Just lift your hand up. Put it up. Please do not hesitate. I know it. I feel it in my spirit. Put your hand up and put it right back down. I just want to see. You say, Pastor, please pray for me. Pray for me. I see this hand. I see this hand. How many more? Come on, there's hands going up. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity. Lord, oh, I'll make sure, Lord, when I get everything right, when things fall into place, I'll make sure I get right with you. No, listen, you're not promised tomorrow. Today's the day of salvation. Right now is the moment where God is calling you to come home. Maybe you're in this place. Maybe you're in this church. You're a part of this fellowship. And you, you come to this church, 
and you know that there are things in your life that are not pleasing to God. Right now, I'm not going to ask you what those things are. They're, they're not my business, but they're between you and God. But you say, I am not where I need to be with God. How many honest hearts do we have in this place? Just put your hand up. I see these hands. How many more? How many more? Come on. Come on. I believe there's more. I feel the Holy Ghost tugging. I feel the Holy Ghost tugging. And I'm not going to go for very much longer because this is an appointed time that God has brought you to this place, to this moment, to this time right now. If you're to walk out of this place today, and God forbid something would happen to you, would you make heaven your home? Would God say, enter in, thy good and faithful servant of the Lord? How many more all over this place? You're struggling. The struggle is real. Praise God. One last call. Anybody else? Put it up. Put it back down all over this place. There it is right there. Praise God. I just felt that in my spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to do one more thing. I want, I want to pray for you. If you raise your hand, please come on down here. I want to pray for you. Brother, come on back here, man. I, I can't wait to hug you myself, brother. Come here, man. Yeah. You guys, come down right here. best decision you'll ever make in your life. The best decision. Is there anybody else in this place here today? You say, I want to be in right standing with God. And there's things in my life that are not pleasing to Him. I don't care if you're a leader in this church. There's been many times where I've been strong and serving God. I've repented as a pastor. Hello. That's what we do. Got to repent. Get right with God, man. This is an opportunity for you right now. I know, I know that we all struggle with things. Some of you teenagers, some of you kids are in school. You, the struggle's tough, man. You know, I'm going to pray this prayer. But I don't want you to miss out. Anybody else? If that's you, just walk on down here. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to pray. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And everyone in this place, just repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I ask you to come into my life. I invite you to be my personal Savior. I ask you, Lord, to take over in every aspect of my life. I surrender right now. I ask you, Lord, to cleanse me from every sin, every thought that is not pleasing to you, every action. I give it to you right now. I surrender, and I believe in you. I know that I will be different with this decision that I'm making right now. I ask you to save me. I ask you to set me free. Break every bondage of sin in my life. 
And from this moment forward, I will serve you with my whole heart, with every bit of me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap of praise. Stay right here for just a moment. Stay right here. Praise God.